We're going to go to the book of the Revelation now. We appreciate passing out Bibles. If there's one thing, that one doctrine that, that true Baptists have always stood for, is that the Word of God is the absolute authority of God. All of our doctrine and practice comes from the Bible, not from Dr. Hogjaw's notes. Anyway, Revelation 19, we've been going through here verse by verse. Uh, we believe in a faithful Baptist bride, we talked that. And in verse 11 of chapter 19, and I saw a heaven open, now here's John the Revelator, he sees heaven roll back as a scroll. I believe it says that in some other passages. And behold, a white horse. That's not the first white horse we've encountered. We encountered a white horse in Revelation 6. When the seven-sealed scroll was opened, the first seal opened. And there came a white horse and a rider on the white horse. Now, you always hear about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but you don't find four horsemen there. You find four horses. I don't see any rider change at all. And we believe that that white horse has an imposter on it. He would be what we later see is the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the beast, and he rides that white horse. Well, you see, Satan is the great uh, imitator. Whatever the Lord has, he tries to have it too. And his supreme effort of all time is going to be the Antichrist. He's going to make him to be just as much like Christ as he can possibly make him. So there he comes, riding on a horse. But he's got some giveaways. If you watch carefully, he said, and he'll be so deceptive. If it were possible, Jesus said in Matthew 24, he would deceive the very elect. But there are some dead giveaways, some Signs. Well, one of them is that that white horse rider, a crown was given unto him. Nah. And he had a bow, but no arrows. That's like going hunting with, with an empty gun. What are you going to do, throw the gun at him? <laughs> so in other words, you can see that, that whoever that white horse rider was, he wasn't the second person of the triune Godhead. Because Jesus Christ, he's the God-man. The Bible even calls him the everlasting father. Isaiah calls him that. And power belongeth to God. Jesus doesn't need derived power. He has it within. He said 
No man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay my life down, and I have power to take it up again, and he exactly did that. So, here we have heaven open and a white horse, and there's a rider there. He that sat upon him was called, love these names, faithful and true. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Here's his name, faithful and true. You see, he has a threefold office work. He is prophet, priest, and king. Well, we need a little bit of help on that. Because there were prophets, but not like this one. Moses talked about that in Deuteronomy 18. said, and unto him shall you hearken. <laughs> a prophet without equal. There never was a prophet to match this prophet. He talked about it. That whom, whom do men say that I am? Well, some say that prophet. Yeah, well, he, he is that prophet that Moses talked about. Well, what did a prophet do? He prognosticated, told what was going to happen. But not, that's not all he did. He also plainly taught the word of God. And he warned. Well, Jesus is the prophet without equal. Never has there ever been a prophet to compare with Jesus. He's above all. And what did a prophet do? He exclaimed, proclaimed the message of God. Jesus said every word that I've spoken, I'm paraphrasing, but he said every deed that I've done came right directly from my Father. He never backed up on one word. He was a prophet without equal who was faithful to the nth degree. He never backed up one iota. And he was true. Every word he said was true. That's why he says, I have, this word is going to judge you. People are putting this word down, something awful. Even people in church, so-called churches. I don't know what he calls it, Andy Stanley. He has completely rejected the Old Testament. What a heretic. And people flock to him. Well, we're going to keep on doing what we're doing. So that ain't getting bad. Yeah, I know what we're going to do. We're going to continue on. We're going to continue on with those things which we've learned. And we're going to quit it when they carry us out feet first or the Lord takes us up. That's when we'll quit. God being our helper. So this white horse, and he was sat on him, was called faithful in true and in righteousness. He doth judge and make war. And I told you, I think last week, that, that Greek word there, polemio, we get the word polemical. We talk about apologetics, a defense of the faith. That's what, what the discipline of apologis, apologetics is. We defend the faith, which is very necessary. But then there are 
polemical writers, polemical speakers. There are polemical passages of Scripture. Make war. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's, that's what the word means. And so what is a polemical writing? You don't just sit back and say, oh, dear brothers, we kind of disagree with you a little bit. Now I was saying you're preaching heresy. And here's why you're preaching heresy. That's polemical. And there's where the word came from right there. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Didn't say they were. Said they were as a flame of fire. And the idea there is that like you got in the Revelation, the first chapter, the only real picture we've got of Jesus. All these others are fake. Uh, idols is what they are. But why, why are his eyes as a flame of fire? Because they are piercing and they see through everything. And on his head were many crowns. Oh, he got, got many of them. Now the Pope has got a triple crown. We talked about that sometime. The Pope at Rome has got a triple crown. But this is Paulus' many crowns. Nothing like what the Pope has. Well, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture. That's a vesture. Dipped in blood. Whose blood? His own blood. And his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him. And there was not anything made uh, that was not made by him. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his, only, his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Now we see these names. Man. Do they mean something? Absolutely. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. Upon white horses. Well, how did they get all them white horses? The creator was right there. He didn't have to do no breeding. Clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And that's. The righteousness of the saints. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. The book of Hebrews tells us about that sharp. That the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it divides asunder and cuts to the quick. And here's a sharp sword that with it he should smite the net. Didn't say his army. The only one I see doing any fighting here is the Lord. Everybody's with him, just there with him. And probably grateful that they're there with him. I know they would be. And he shall rule them with a the rod of iron. It's amazing how people try to get around what the Bible says. As all oh, that's a shepherd's staff. No, that's the, the Greek says rod of iron. Rod dose is a rod. Rod of iron. Who's he going to rule with the rod of iron? It certainly won't be his born again 
resurrected, glorified saints. They won't need a rod of iron. But who's going to need a rod of iron? All of the millions that are left on this earth to go through the millennial reign of Christ. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now if you understand now. At his first, the fancy word is advent, coming. Jesus' feet are symbolized as brass or bronze. But that did not mean judgment. Not with Jesus at his first coming. At this coming, it does mean judgment. Well, we go back to the tabernacle. And you had brass in the tabernacle. And all the books say judgment. No, it doesn't. Because you see, Jesus at his first coming in the tabernacle. And he says, I didn't come to judge He came to be judged. And so what that brass means on his feet in the symbolic interpretation is his endearing righteousness. That enabled him to withstand all of what God put upon him in the redemption of his people. He never sinned one time. He did not sin. His righteousness endeared, even though when he hanged on the cross, God did turn his back on him because he made him to be sin for us and he knew no sin. So for that time, he became the filthiness of all of the sins of all of his people until he said, it is finished. Tell in the Greek, brought to completion. And then he no longer said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now all that's over, it's finished. He bore in his body on the tree, and that's just the cross. The cross was made out of a tree. And I doubt it was, it was finely milled. I'd say it was rough cut. But on the tree, there are no six hours. You can't imagine it, and neither can I. Never will throughout all eternity. We'll never know the depth of the suffering that Jesus Christ underwent in behalf of all of his people. Because you see it would take me eternity in hell to pay for my sins and I'd never do it. So all of his people, the same thing. And he suffered all of that in his body on the tree. How much did he suffer? I don't know. I just know he did and I'm thankful he did. And he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath 
of Almighty God. Now, do you know where Jesus Christ was at his first coming? He was in the wine press, and God Almighty had pleased God to put him to death. He was in the wine press, and it was his blood that came out. But this wine press, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has become the judge of the earth, the universe, because he became the Son of Man, read John's Gospel, the fifth chapter. He now is the judge. And he is treading out the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So prophet without equal. Priest, our great high priest. You see, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, is sitting down at the right hand of the Father. In the tabernacle and the temple, you know what did not exist? In the Holy of Holies? A chair. Because the high priest got in there, but he didn't stay in there. And he never sat down. And he had those bells and pomegranates. And they had a rope probably tied to his feet. If he died, they could pull him out because nobody could go in there and get him. But the psalmist said, They that do know the joyful sound. <laughs> Who are they? They're the people that understand that Jesus is our great high priest and he's there making intercession for us. And the bells are ringing, <laughs> proving that he's still alive. Anyway, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, all capital letters there. And I'm going to add one more thing to that from the book Philippians, I believe. He is the blessed. And only potentate. Potentate means he has power within himself. I know some of these clubs got past and present potentates. But no they don't. They just think they do. The only potentate is our Lord Jesus Christ. He has power within himself. Anyway. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven. Well, now this heaven is where the birds fly. Paul told us there's three heavens. And this is the one where the birds fly. And so he says to the, all of the fowls that fly, come and gather yourselves together. Come to supper. <laughs> Unto the supper of the great God. All of the birds are going to have a great supper. That you may eat the flesh of kings, of the, fl the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Sound to me like we're getting ready for a bunch of killing. 
And I saw the beast. There's the Antichrist. And the kings of the earth. And their armies. Now these armies gathered from all over the earth. It's different from that Gog and Magog. The battle of that, they come from the north. Here they come from all over the earth. And their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Their acts are going to fight the resurrected, glorified Son of God who's God in the flesh. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet. We got those two out of chapter 13 of Revelation. That wrought, that worked miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And we told you that 666, the number of man, man's body, soul, and spirit. Six is the number of man. That's completely the number of man. Body, soul, and spirit, short of perfection, missed the mark. And them that worshiped his image, the false prophet made that image and demanded that everybody bow to it. And the only ones that didn't bow to it are those that didn't receive the, receive the mark. Amen. And then they got slaughtered. These both, the beast and the false prophet, were cast alive into a lake. Actually, the definite article's there. The lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the word brimstone means sulfur. Now, they want to laugh about that. Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire and brimstone fell on them. Sulfur. Burns hot. And there we see it there. It's God's chemical. He can use it if he wants to. Amen. He made it. They didn't develop it in a laboratory. And the remnant, the remnant of the Jews, nation of Israel, were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now I believe what we've just read there is the battle of Armageddon. Now look over chapter 16. In verse 12, And the sixth angel poured out his vow or bowl upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, for they are the spirits of demons. When you see devil in the plural, it's demons. There's only one Satan, but there's many demons. Working miracles, they're looking for miracles today. That's where they'll find them. Which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world. There we go. 
Where's his army going to come from? The kings of the earth, the whole world. To gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Jesus said, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. I think we can safely say that this is the battle of Armageddon. Now where will it be fought? The valley of Megiddo, the valley of Jehoshaphat, and in Israel. Uh, look back at chapter 16, or is it 14? Yeah, 14 is what I want. Now there we had the two reapers with the sickle. And here's the last one, either set on the cloud, or, or 17 of chapter 14. Another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, You see, if you don't have a sharp sickle, it don't do much. That's why you have to carry a file with you. Anybody ever swing one of those big sickles? I've swung them. And you got to have that file that you can keep that thing sharp. And if you've got it sharp, you can cut some weeds with it, buddy. You can cut a field of them real quick. No, you'd be surprised. And so he said, gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the Great wine press of the wrath of God. He's talking about the battle of Armageddon. And the wine press was trodden without the city. That's outside of Jerusalem. And blood came out of the wine press even unto the horses' bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now just how much blood. Well, he's done invited all of the fowls of heaven. To come to supper. So there's going to be plenty, plenty to eat. And there's going to be plenty of blood. Well, furlong, only place I know except maybe in England it's still used, is at the racetracks. A furlong used to be a furrow, plowing a long furrow. And they figured that's what the average furrow ought to be. And it turns out it's 660 feet. Or approximately an eighth of a mile. So eight furlongs in a mile. And a furlong is 660 feet. However, we've got 1,600 furlongs. So you got to do a little ciphering here. 1,600 times 660. Mm. That's equal to a tad bit over 200 miles. 
And that's how long Israel is. Not that wide, but it's that long. And a horse's bridle. I expect it would depend on the horse. I don't know what a big Clydesdale would be. But I'm going to say that the average horse, you're looking at maybe four feet. That sound about right. I'm not a horseman, but about four feet. So we're talking about blood four foot deep for 200 miles. Don't think we've ever seen anything quite like that. Well, that's at the Battle of Armageddon. All right. Go back over here. I'm going to get started on this, but I won't. Well, hold your place. Go to Isaiah 34. Some of these guys don't like to go to the Old Testament. We believe it's all inspired of God. Every word of it. Isaiah 34. Verse 1. See, here we got there again on it. Judgments wherewith God avenges his church. They need to just put what they know. Quit putting that garbage there. Come near ye nations to hear. Now this is 700 years before Christ. 2,700 years before us. Plus a little bit there. Hearken ye people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein. The world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations. And his fury upon all their armies. He hath utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out. Their stink shall come up out of their carcasses. And the mountains shall be melted with their blood. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. And the heavens shall be rolled together. As a scroll all their hosts shall fall down as a leaf. Falleth off from the vine as a falling fig from the fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea and upon the people of my curse to judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord hath a sacrifice in Bozrah and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And the unicorns shall come down with them, and the bullocks with the bulls, and their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. I kind of think this is what he's talking about. Right here. I know he's judged before, but never like this. All right, chapter 20. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. 
And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, and on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. I'm going to stop right there. And I want to make this statement. We believe in the literal thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. Amen. That makes us kiliast. You know that word? The early churches in Phrygia, you had the Montanists. They were not a part of anything else but the Lord's churches. In Africa, you had Donatists. In Italy, you had Novations. In Armenia, you had Paulicians. Later on, you had Albigenses in southern France. You had Waldenses in the Piedmont Valleys of the Alps. They were all called Anabaptists. There was not a denomination of Anabaptists. That was never a denominational name. They were called Anabaptists because they wouldn't receive baptism from heretical churches. They would baptize you when they brought you into their congregations. They, their enemies said they were rebaptized. No. They said, no, we're not rebaptizing. You never were baptized. Unscriptural baptism is not baptism. Right. We, we, we worry about having it the right way for the Lord. And that's why we're that way. But that's not the only thing they were called. They were called Cathari. That's the word for Puritans way before there were ever any Puritans from the Reformation. 16th century. Those were Puritans, but no. Your original Puritans were your Anabaptists because they lived, believed in living pure lives. And they're also called Kiliast. You'd spell that C H I L I A S T apostrophe S. Yes. 
That word comes from the Greek. Kilioi. Kilios. Means a thousand. They believed in the thousand year millennial reign of the Lord. Now some of these all-millennial deniers of the millennial, they say, oh, well, no, the early church says, no, you dummy, read your books. You'll find out they were all called Kilius because they all believed in the thousand-year millennial reign, and true Baptists still do, and here's why we do. We have other scripture, but this is it, and I want to tell you that this is not symbolical. We'll talk about it again next week.